This is the Sports Divided Podcast. The Chicago Bulls have won their sixth NBA championship, and it's their second three-peat. Second two out, Palmero over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges, throws, out! And the White Sox have won the World Series. To the net, over. Patrick Kane has scored the goal. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. The Cubs win the World Series. They did it. It's over. The game is over. The series is over. The wait is over. And the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. Welcome back to Sports Divided. It's Sunday, July 26th. Tonight, we're joined by Dave, Keith, Matt, and I'm your host, Rick. All right, guys. Uh, one weekend in to the MLB. Cubs, Cards, Reds, all tied for first in the division at 2-1. and one. Oh, wait, no. The Reds end up – the Reds blew that lead? Oh, okay, never mind. The Reds are 1-2, and two, so the Cubs and Cards are tied. Um, and in the – AL Central, Cleveland, Detroit, and Minnesota are all tied two and one with the White Sox one game back at one and two. So the Reds were up like four runs going into the eighth, and I assumed against the Tigers that they were just going to wrap that one up. And didn't look that way. Yeah, the uh, Tigers scored uh, two in the top of the ninth. Okay. Yeah, Red starters looking pretty hot. If, if, if you notice that. Uh, I, I made note of that. Bauer had 13 strikeouts. Uh, Castillo had 11. And, uh, Sonny Gray had nine. That was 33 strikeouts in three games for the starters. So that kind of scared the hell out of me a little bit, to be honest with you. Yeah, but they're also, they're also playing the Tigers, who are the worst. Well, I'm going to put money down and say the Tigers are going to be the worst team in the MLB this year. Well, Baltimore's got two wins, don't they? You got the Orioles. Baltimore's leading the division. They beat, they're two and one against the Red Sox this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> they're tied for the lead, division lead. It's sad times in Boston, boy. But on that note, also, I don't think Pittsburgh's going to be as bad as we thought they were going to be when we talked about them on Thursday night. They actually have some guys out of the bullpen that can throw the ball, and their first five guys in the lineup can actually hit. After that, it's a huge drop off. So it's not going to be every time you play Pittsburgh, it's going to be a cakewalk, which is well. They were only the, the seventh worst team in baseball when the rankings came out. So I mean, they weren't they weren't supposed to be in a league with Baltimore and Seattle. Yeah, and, yeah they're not in that group. Mm-hmm. No, but I just did, I didn't think that you know I was thinking okay they have Josh Bell and that's going to be about it. But then Newman and Frazier are both swinging the bat well out of camp. You know, and then they have uh, that Osuna, who's an outfielder slash DH that had decent numbers last year. I just thought he was gone when they pretty much got rid of everybody in their outfield. So. I'll tell you, I'll, one thing I'll give you observation-wise for the Cubs game, uh, series, something's wrong with Yelich. Yeah. He had a horrible spring. He struck out – he took a call third strike down the middle – with two guys on today for his third strikeout in a row. Mm-hmm. Now, Chetwood was dealing with it. And, and Chetwood's got great stuff when he can harness it. 
But I, when's the last time you saw Yellich take a fastball down the middle for strike three with two guys on base? I mean, that, he, didn't even, he didn't even offer. I was surprised to see Chatwood go today over Lester, and I, I understand he probably want to throw Lester against the Reds. But. Well, see, you get, this is why you have Ross as a manager now. They went on today, they got on afterwards. Since the All-Star break last year, Chatwood, 2.65, 75 strikeouts, 11 walks. Mm-hmm. He's in the top 10 pitchers in the major leagues at, at a running average since the All-Star. Right so you figure out the first three years with the Cubs, the first year and a half was a, a living nightmare. Mm-hmm. He, he couldn't find a plate. And, and now the last year and a half, I mean, a guy, he touches 100, and he's got five pitches. I mean, he's – it's just, you know, if he loses the plate, can he get it back? And, stuff like and yeah, I don't know. It's uh, – so far, again, after the second half last year, and then to, he looked good today. There's no question. And then, well, you know, they moved Lester down to four because they asked Ross about it, and he said, no, Chad was going to get a lot of the significant playtime both here and when we get to the playoffs. So I think he had to talk with Lester and move Lester down, which that had to be interesting. Yeah. Well, well good. Good. You get a guy like that, he, he's got the skill. He just throws some confidence his way, you know, and then give him a, give him another shot and give up on him so quickly, and he performs, you know. I think he's 26. 26 or 27. He's got a great arm. I don't know if he was that young. What do, you think was, the, what do you think the difference is? Someone, they, they like the pitching coach that we got. The, the, uh, uh, was it Hadavi or whatever his name is? He's only yeah. 39. And these guys love this guy. You know, and I guess – Almost everybody since he's been here has developed another pitch. Most of it was a curveball. Nobody threw curveballs on the entire staff. And he, he's worked with people to build the confidence, you know, um, and stuff. And, I mean, for Chad, what is, it's, it's really simple. It's just control. I mean, even when he was horrible, when he was first here, his, you know, he'd strike out a side. He'd strike out five in a row. Then he'd walk five days in a row. I yeah. mean, it was – uh, you know, and you know, I, I've seen we had this before. We have another guy in the team, Dylan Maples, who's the exact same guy, and we traded a guy in Cease, who's that same guy again. You know, if they put it together, look out because they've got electric stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, no, nobody could get Chet with a throw strike when he was first, the first year. The first year he was here, it, it didn't matter what you did. He, he the plate was just missing. And it was horrible. But, you know, right now, it was good. And the shame is, he could hit so I, you know, to that. I asked – there's a question I have, and I wonder if anybody knows here because I wrote it down. Do you have to use the DH for your pitcher? Yes. You do? Yeah. yeah. See, I didn't follow the DH that closely because, I, I mean, because I, I'd have somebody DH for Haywood. I'm a Chatwood hit. Chatwood's a great hitter. That would be considered your high school version of the extra hitter, where he's o- over somebody throughout the field. Okay, yeah, that's too bad because the Cardinals could uh, DH for Bader, and uh, yeah, hey, see Fowler had a home run. Yeah, first first at, or first game, second at bat. Yeah, I'll still trade you Hayward Hayward for Fowler straight up. We've hit six home runs already this this season. Who's that? The Cardinals, four in the first and two in the second. Well, yeah, Goldschmidt, Goldschmidt hit a absolute bomb off the face of Big Mackland yesterday in the first inning. 
Yeah, I think we have six. We have six also. And my sleeper, Paul DeYoung, had a nice three-run homer and the on opening night. So you know, watch out for him. I said it. Yeah, Rizzo, comes Rizzo comes back from his back with two homers. Yeah. Hap's got two homers and he's hitting 375. So, Lester, wasn't his road splits a lot better? Uh, with Lester, they were last year. Okay, and, so. Yeah, not before that, but last year. But that might be the same type of thing that the Cardinals did starting Wainwright game two, who's, who, if you look at, like, numbers, he has the third best home splits in all of baseball last mm-hmm. year as a pitcher. So maybe that same thing of throwing Chatwood today was Wainwright being our game two starter to make sure they're rotating them through as many home starts for us. And then Lester went the other way and is getting as many road starts. Well, they originally said, and I wanted to see it to believe it, they, about two weeks ago, they, they said the rumors in the dugout were Lester was the fifth starter. And that was before Quintana came out with the, the thumb. Well, they say Wainwright's the fifth starter too, but so but they still started him game two. So. Yeah, so I mean it's oh yeah, that doesn't mean you get to the playoffs that Lester doesn't start a game or split a game with somebody. You know that yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it depends how he's pitching because he's still got he's still a guy who knows how to pitch. It's just he he doesn't have all the pitches he used to have or some of the velocity, you know. But he doesn't suck. You know, it's just he's no longer our number one. He's no and he's going to give you a shot every time he goes out there. You mm-hmm. bet. He, well, you'll you'll know right away whether it's going to be his night or not. And pretty much you got the big enough bullpen now to just say, all right, you're two innings in and we're uh, pulling you and we're going to go with the guy that may get us to the seventh with five. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Giolito, right, Matt? Yeah. All right. Just like Giolito. That was <laughs> <laughs> so much you know? for my Cy Young number two prediction. <laughs> I know you had him hyped up. I'm like, Mm-hmm. I, I told you guys, I, you, don't, you don't know what you're going to get yet. He's a young kid. Yeah. You figure, you get, even with the great year last year, he was 0-2 against the Cubs. Yeah. The Cubs with a 10-something ERA. The Cubs powered him because in the, the Twins are a lot like the Cubs team. They're, the Cubs are a team that waits for the two-run homer. So are the Twins. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and if you're going to walk them, they'll let you walk them. So, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, so he – well, he that's a bad habit of walking guys in front of good hitters. That's 1970s Baltimore Orioles baseball, right? A bloop and a blast. Earl Weaver. Yep. There you go. And that's, you know, the Cubs played that in the 60s and 70s because of, of Wrigley. You know, that was, you know, looking for that, that type of thing. You don't see the Cubs put together five or six hits in a row very often. It just doesn't happen. You know, but, you know, you'll, out of nowhere, you'll have three innings of nothing and then, you know, I'll walk a hit, and then somebody rips one out of the park. I mean, that's that's the Twins last year. I'm glad to see uh, Ian Hatt doing well, playing center field, you know, playing, making a nice catch, hitting a couple home runs. So. He had a good second half last year. The guy works his ass off. He's, he's not the most athletic. You know, they, they keep saying he's athletic. Their definition's got to be different than mine because <laughs> if it's tries hard, then he's the guy. I mean, they, nobody works harder in that team than Hatt. Mm-hmm. But you know, you see him go back and some. He still doesn't know how to take a route and stuff like that. Now sometimes he'll end up making a catch. You know, but he's falling down. He's doing whatever. He he has has ball today slammed back, back against uh, the Ivy out there. He caught up a dinger that was going. I mean, that wasn't going to be out of the park. But he was going to go off the wall for sure. He well, he's pretty fearless. See that part he's gotten. I mean, the, the thing for me is he got. You know, you got Hayward not hitting yet. You got Bryant not hitting yet. 
but you've got four guys, you know, with an OPS over a thousand. And Horner, Horner's not going anywhere. He's hitting three seventy five, and he's you know he's he's that clutch guy. He's he's that rookie that comes up that just he ain't going back down. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you know they held on to him and gave him some starts because he's he's a good clutch hitter. Schwarber looks like a man possessed, you know, right now and stuff. So and Caratini's got an OPS of nine forty four. So it's the nice thing about the DH is you can get Caratini's bat in the lineup now without having to take out Contreras. Yeah. Who's locked in? We're not even talking about Hendricks, too, the, uh, the now leader for Cy Young, right? You know? <laughs> well, you know, two years ago, he had, a, he had a legit shot at it. I mean, it was, you know, or three years ago, was it three years ago? That was that. He, that's, he's a guy that, you know, like Maddox, could just, he could go on a, on a stretch against you there and not give up much of nothing. I just, I love pitchers like that. You know, like the Burleys, the Maddox, the, mm-hmm. even Dallas Keuchel yesterday. He was just, you know, picking corners, not throwing high heat, getting weak contact, and moving on, although Hendricks had nine strikeouts. <coughs> yeah, pitchers like that, I mean, it's just consistent day in and day out. You just love to watch that. You know, that, but that's why I came away with it the weekend for me is watching the Cubs. They'll go as far as their bullpen's going to take them. Um, and you know, as far as the Sox are concerned, the pitching is still a concern for me, but they're going to hit all day and all night. I, I, if, I, if I was going to put a dime on somebody not to get shut out this year, it would be the White Sox. Yeah. Yep. I showed that. They, they were hitting pretty well. Yo, Makata, I guess, he sat today, but, you know. Yeah. You got a lot of kids in that team that don't know the pressure, and you know they're just you know, they're just wailing right now. I mean, well, your your leading OPS guy and home run guy this is what Lori, right? So yeah, it's a home run. I mean, we saw that coming. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the Twins just mashed the ball. The Cardinals have them next. We fly up there to Minnesota on Tuesday for for that fun at Target Field. Yeah. Yeah, you give up twenty six runs in three games. You're not, you're not going to win much. You're lucky you got one. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that's hit six home runs today. So I don't know. You know be the, a... twi- the Twins are good, but they're not the Yankees either. No. No, but they have just as much pop as the Yankees. They just don't have the, they don't have the average guys to go with the pop like the like the Twins are feast or famine, home run or nothing. The Yankees at least have. John Carlos Stanton and Judge, who they're more just line drive guys that have so much raw power that it just goes over the fence by 120 feet. But you, yeah, but you, you still got like Glaber and stuff like that on that team and stuff. I mean, yeah, they're four home run hitters deep. I mean, that's no, but yeah, but even Torres and the only guy on the Yankees that is feast or famine really is well, I guess there's two probably Gary Sanchez and Luke Voigt. Everybody else can still go the other way with the ball and hit a double down the sure. line. You know, and that's that's what separates the Yankees from the Twins. You know, you don't have Sano and Cruz and all those guys just poking one down the right field line for a double. They're swinging for the fences, and that's about it. So it'll be a test for uh, Carlos Martinez on Tuesday night up there. Yeah, one of the other thing about the Cubs series, just quickly, on, on the game with the one game, the second game on Darvish, because I watched five innings of it uh, that were there. And, you know, he struck out the side in the one inning. 
The first three innings of that game, the home plate umpire, between Darvish and Corbin, who has similar stuff to Darvish. You know, I mean, Corbin you know, has some nasty, nasty pitches and stuff like that. 100 pitches between the two of them in two innings because the way they were being called. And it was only one run score. I mean, it was, I think there were only three runners. I mean, it was, it was horrific. You watch this stuff, and both sides, there were balls that were absolutely balls that were called strikes. And there were balls that were, I mean, couldn't have been more strikes, and they were called balls. I think <laughs> watching, I did watch a little on Saturday of that game because it was on Fox, so we could see it down here. And yeah. flipping back and forth between that and just seeing the Cardinals all year so far, I think the umps are widening the strike zone a lot. There was times in the same thing with the Cardinals Pirates series that it's a ball that like they have the K zone up that's two almost two, two and a half balls outside of the strike zone on the out, outside corner, and the pitcher's getting the call. And you're like, if you call inside the inside corner a half a ball inside that K zone, and then you're giving two and a half the opposite way, no batter in their mind is going to be able to cover that. No. So I think they're trying to – You think they've been instructed maybe to uh, do that to speed up the game a little bit? Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Widen widen that strike zone a bit. Give it as much as possible. Make the – and, I mean, what it'll do, it'll just make the the guys at the plate swing the bat a little bit more too in pitches that are a little closer. Yeah, you're not going to be sitting there waiting, taking any pitches. Yeah, you're not going to have Carpenter watching these ones that are just on the black every time that are balls. Yeah, yeah. How many call third strikes is he going to take? Yeah. Yeah. So when you watch that that Fox game on Friday or on Saturday, they had uh, the the, simulated crowd. Yeah, I was going to get there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wrigley, unless I missed it, Wrigley didn't do it. And I don't know, did they do it at Chicago or Guaranteed Rate? Did they have like the white noise for the crowd, or was it just the roar when a play happened? Uh, oh, I don't know. I, I think it was just when the for, for at USR. I think it was just the roar when the play happened. The Cardinals think. had like that white noise in the background, like you know how you're at a ballpark, you can always hear that buzz. Yeah, yeah. The Cardinals had it the whole time, so it didn't feel like so weird when a yeah. roar happened. It comes headed on the radio. Okay. On the radio broadcast, the Cubs had that white, the white background noise. Yeah. But I, I, in the park, they did not, which is why they almost got into the, the brawl on Saturday because somebody on Milwaukee made some comment about Contreras, and he came, well, he came flying over the field, and even Council said, well, you know, these, these guys are going to learn that, you know, you're going to mouth off. The other team's going to hear you because yeah. there's nobody here. Yeah. So they said something that pissed him off. Because he came over to really, I thought he was going head first in the Brewers' dugout. Well, in the Cardinals game, what I noticed, and Rick, I'm curious if you thought this as well, they they had the crowd noise, and they would uh, raise it or lower it depending on what was going on. So when uh, yeah. the church manager came out to uh, argue, they, you know, juiced up the sound. Yeah, well, yeah, like it wasn't even just that. It's like, so Flaherty had the bases loaded in Friday night in the seventh or sixth inning or something like that. And you know how when the bases are loaded, the crowd, every pitch is building, building, building. They were even doing that. So it had, like, that whole, like, sound of a real crowd there. So that, like, for me, I think helped the fact that there's no yeah, fans. It, it helped me, too. And they didn't, for, as far as I was concerned, they didn't overdo it. You know, no. it, it was there. It was subtle. 
and uh, it it does add something because the well, uh, few games I watch with no sound, that, I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna have a tough time getting used to that. Well, and ESPN hasn't done it, and Fox didn't do it on the national broadcast, but Fox Sports Midwest has done a lot better job of like tightening in the screen, so you see minimal empty seats. So they've trimmed everything to where you're just mm-hmm. like, it's kind of like you're in a in a tunnel watching just what's going on, which I think also, because you hear the sound, you have that noise, and then you're only seeing like minimal empty seats. So you're not even thinking anything of it. Yeah, what the Cubs did in the outfield was they covered a lot of the seats. Yeah, with, with like huge tarps with the marquee network. And average. like when they were under, like when they were under construction, the bleachers were closed. Mm-hmm. Now they had that coverage so you couldn't see the fact that nobody was there really. It was almost like a hitter's eye background. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll keep, you know, it'll keep evolving and getting uh, better. And I wonder what it's like for the players, you know, just to, there's nobody there or even the people that are, you know, the, the media guys just to hear, you hear yeah. this crowd and this, but there's, there's nobody there. It's, it's gotta be kind of weird. Well, some of them you can tell are having fun with it, though. Like, the end of the first inning on Friday night, Fowler caught the third out, and he turned and acted like he was chucking it into the stands. Like, guys are coming out, going out to the bullpen to throw their bullpen, and, like, <coughs> Wainwright's, like, tipping his hat to the crowd like he would be if he's walking out and they're, like, cheering up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're having fun with it, which, you know, I think that's what it is. If the players don't act like it's – so ridiculous it won't feel so ridiculous like carpenter made a comment and he said you know what i just since summer camps opened up i've just been having a lot more fun because it takes me back to growing up in high school and sandlot type of ball when you maybe had your parents sitting there and that's about it yeah get a couple whoops and hollering and that's about it it's one of the things i felt bad about there's a story i think it was in the herald here i only read part of it and stuff but about a lot of the guys making their major league debuts yeah, and, and the parents yeah. not able to be there. You know, they, you follow them through. You know, from pony league to little league. Or, yeah, and here they are making it in the, in the big leagues, and you can't be there. Yeah. Well, yeah, there was three, three in the Cardinals Pirates series. Two for the Pirates, one for the Cardinals. One was one of the top prospects from the Pirates, named uh, Cole Taylor. He was an outfielder. Yeah, he family wasn't there. I don't think he picked up his hit. He only played Saturday. But I don't think he picked up his first hit. But, yeah, then there was two pitchers out of the bullpen, one for each team today, that had their first experience in the majors. And both were, like, lights out, like three strikeouts each and dealt for two innings. So that's got to be tough a little bit, you know. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that's going to be – It'll be interesting. And then, like, when it comes, radio team was signing off today after the post-game interviews. They're going to do the, the games from Cincinnati from here. Yeah. Nope. They'll, be nope. at, they'll be at Wrigley Field watching the game and doing the radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll be sitting up on Sheffield, not in Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. No, no away team broadcast is allowed to go. So, like, here in St. Louis – they're always going to be broadcasting the away games from like Ballpark Village at that Fox Sports Midwest zone. That's cool though. I like that. I mean, I guess it minimizes the travel one expense, but risk too. Well, yeah. it's two less people traveling. It's, yeah. Exactly. Anywhere you can take a couple of people out of the equation here and there, you're, you're probably better off doing it. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with 
no NHL announcers until the semifinals and conf- or conference finals and Stanley Cup finals won't be live. They'll be doing them from the the broadcast studios in New York or L.A. or like first rounds here in St. Louis or Chicago. Mm-hmm. Even radio, nobody's going up there for that. They're not allowed. So it's going to be well, a little be interesting. I mean, because that's as a broadcaster that you know you obviously can look at the monitor, but it's not like you're there. Um, no, be an adjustment for them. Well, you don't get the picture. You know, you just you see what. Yeah, whatever you're seeing on the monitor, that's all you can see. They're really going to be – I mean, it's going to be really weird because they'll be five-second delayed watching, and then they're going to be trying to announce from that. Yeah. But you want it to catch up with the crowd because there's no crowd. Yeah, but – So the crowd won't give away what's happening because there's no crowd. <laughs> but still, like, it's going to – I don't know. Like, I think baseball is okay. Hockey is going to be interesting because, like, so much of the playoffs is just that raw emotion from the crowd that yeah, that makes it. That makes the hockey experience, mm. you know. But, they, I mean, I know they're going to be – they've already said that each home team will have their own, like, entertainment stuff that normally goes with it. So, like, for the Hawks, stranglehold playing as they enter the ice or for the Blues, enter Sandman, like – and then when they score, it'll be their own horn with their own goal song. Like, I imagine we have the I imagine we have the anthem here then too. The way we have all all these. Well, they don't have any fans to make noise. Yeah, that's true. But it's still a great voice. You know, yeah. now there's a place I could see playing either background noise or playing a tape. Yeah, I mean, because you're right. That's I mean, you know, the crowd reaction is the other part of that. So you you either add that to his singing, or you just use a tape. What it is? I mean, Bill Murray saying, "Take me out to the ball game here." Yeah, that was cool. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. If he had a big stuffed bear with him, he was like, yeah. bear. I don't even know where he was. Like some like. Give me some runs. He wasn't in the ballpark. He was like in a shed somewhere. <laughs> The man, the man's in his old world. There's no question. He was in that. He was in the Caddyshack shed. Yeah, that's what it looked like. Did you see it? I don't know. It looked like it was probably set up that way. That he probably has that built in his house for that type of stuff. It looked like the Caddyshack. Well, I'm sure it's on YouTube. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Oh yeah. But so we'll we'll move into uh, the fun part of this since we got into NHL talk. Anyways, we will uh, start with our. Uh, NHL playoff qualifying round predictions. So we'll uh... – Hey, fans. I know you're listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. We're available everywhere podcasts are found. We will get going, um, and we'll snake our way around to end with the 5-12 matchup in, in, the, uh, in the West just because – that might be the one we talk about the longest anyways, just because of who it has, has to deal with. We'll open up the predictions with the 8-9 the matchup in the East, which is the Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Columbus Blue Jackets. So what we'll do is we'll go around, give each other everybody's winner, and hopefully we're correct. It should be pretty easy. 
try to predict how many games the series is going to last. So we'll start with Matt on this one. All right. Um, and uh, I have to preface this. My, it, it comes with, you know, limited knowledge. Uh, so these, these are all kind of off the cuff guesses for me and uh, minimal research, but uh, reading a little bit about it, it, it appears that the Maple Leafs are, are the better choice here. I picked them at four. Uh, they've just got more star power. I know that they've come into this with, uh, you come into the playoffs with high promise and, and haven't really panned out that way in recent years, but, uh, but it just feels like the Maple Leafs should, should take this one at four. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, and uh, and this one uh, and what I you know, what I believe about the playoffs is defense wins in the in the playoffs. If we can get that playoff feeling you're talking about, and uh, you know for this one, the problem I have with Toronto is they're ranked 26th in the, in defense in the National Hockey League, uh, and Anderson was another one of those goalies just pile put them in a pile with the guys that just hit you know didn't play well and. Yeah, the Blue Jackets, you know, they, they're the opposite. They're third on defense, but they're, they're 27th on offense. So can they score enough? Like I said, but I'm, I'm going actually with the – they're 27th on offense, but they're eighth in shots taken. So if you're, you're eighth in shots taken and you're, you're shooting against a bad goalie, that might, that might level off a little bit. I'm going with the Blue Jackets at five. All right. Keith, go ahead. As Marcelo Zuna just hit a absolute bomb, so you know uh, Cardinals yeah, two, fans can, two home runs for him. Yeah, that's a second of the year. So you know, not like we don't need a power bat or anything in St. Louis. No, no, no. We're we're all set. You got, you got Bader. Yeah. yeah, we got Bader. You know, after Saturday, I was trying to figure out the Cardinals' magic number. Actually, um, <laughs> I but, actually uh, thought I thought about that too. I was like, I was like. When my thinking wasn't like what it was, but my thinking was like, how quickly are they going to start posting magic numbers to the standings? Yeah. Couple weeks, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. shoot. I mean, if a, if a team gets off to like a twelve and two start after a couple weeks, yeah, you got to start yeah. thinking about it. Exactly. Yeah. All right. You know? So go ahead, Keith. Uh, yeah. So I guess Cardinals only got like fifty eight and two or fifty nine and one. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well. You know, my gut tells me just to go straight with uh, Toronto just because um, the offense. Um, but uh, like Dave says, I, yeah, defense uh, wins in the NHL playoffs. Um, and also remember what Columbus did uh, last year uh, against um, Tampa. So uh, I'm, I'm like Dave. I'm going to go with Columbus in uh, five. By all rights, Toronto should should win this just because they have so much offensive firepower, but um, um, I'm going to go with Columbus uh, over the course of uh, five games. I think defense will uh, uh, make the difference. So for me, head to head, they're one and one against each other. Columbus won a game in overtime. Toronto won the game four one. Um, but you have a rookie head coach in Sheldon Keefe versus a, Veteran, playoff tested, knows what to do when it comes to crunch time. Coach in John Tortorella. He might be crazy, but the guy knows how to get the best out of his players. Um, I think it's going to go five games just purely based off of Toronto's talent. But, yeah, I, I, 
again, I think they choke away a series that they should win, and I think Columbus wins it in five. I just I don't think Toronto – they should be ready to win, but I don't think they are. They have too many of the Those same – young kids don't play two-way hockey. They, they just have too many of the same type of issues that they have all the time, and it's just – I don't know. You know, I just – I just don't, I don't have a feeling. When you're 26 defense and have a bad goalie, that's not a good combination. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing with it – the thing with it is, is – Anderson's not horrible. They just only have him. They have had no backup for the past three years, and they ride him until he's into the ground and can't move anymore, and then come playoff time, he doesn't play great because he's already played 70-something games in the regular season. So we'll move on to the New York Islanders versus the Florida Panthers. So this one – this one's going to be a boring series. I'll just leave it at that. So we'll start with Matt. Uh, so for this one, uh, it, it's one of those matchups, right, where you have uh, defense kind of versus offense. But I, I, the one thing that stuck out to me here is with, with Quenville, uh, head coach in the Florida Panthers, uh, I, I got to roll with them. So I'm picking Panthers and five uh, over, over the defense of the New York Islanders. Dave, go ahead. I'm going with the Islanders in four. Islanders were three and zero against the Panthers during the year. Um, and you know, when you look at, I mean, again, you you've got uh, a goalie who just <laughs> you know sub nine hundred save percentage. Uh, it's I just don't see that lasting in the playoffs. The Islanders are a little offensive challenge. There's no question about it. But I just uh, the Panthers, I just, you know, they're 28th in defense. Uh, that'll give the Islanders a, a few more opportunities. So, uh, for me, it's the Islanders in four. Okay. Keith. You know, um, I'm going to go with uh, the Panthers in four here uh, because of uh, Quinville and uh, uh, Bobrovsky, uh, just because he's supposed to be one of the best uh, and uh, goaltending uh, – Obviously, he's huge in the uh, playoffs, and uh, uh, he could be the difference. Um, and, you know, Quinville maybe pushes the right buttons, um, and uh, obviously with his uh, history. So I'm going uh, to go with the Panthers in this one in four. I'm going to go the same way, Florida in four. I mean, you pay a goalie 10 mil, he better be able to steal you a couple wins. Mm-hmm. Um, but he hasn't all year. But he, he's never. But he's never been good in the regular season, and then come playoffs, he's always great. But I don't even think it's not even because of them. I just think Florida has some forwards that are the most underrated floor, forwards in the NHL. Whether it's Sasha Barkov, who I personally think is a top five player in the league that nobody talks about because he's playing in Florida, or you have Jonathan Huberdeau. Um, but then you look at it, and the Islanders have Barry Trotz. And the way he coaches defense, whether he was in Nashville, Washington took them to the Cup, and the Islanders last year, it's going to be a hard-fought series that I think it's four games just because one team sneaks out 
two overtime wins and it just, you know, it's, it's like a normal six game series where one thing goes one way. It could be seven easy. Yeah. I, I, just, the fact that I think it's going to be a boring series though. Well, that's, I think it's going to be boring because I think it's going to be two, one hockey and it's, it's yep. not going to be scoring chance after scoring chance two one hockey with big saves. It's just going to be the Islanders locking down in a trap system and Florida dumping the puck in and trying to go get it. And then, you know, I, I think it's going to come down to special teams and that's where Florida with Huberto and Yandel and Barkov. That's I think where they take, take the cake and uh, end up somehow squeaking it out in four. I don't know how I just got to, I don't know. I just I believe in Sasha Barkov so much when it comes to what he does in the NHL and how highly underrated he is. I don't know. And I just don't know if the Islanders can do it again for a second straight year where they have no offense and win playoff series by scoring like seven goals in an entire series. So we'll move on to – this is probably going to be the most fun series in the East. The number six Carolina Hurricanes versus the number 11 New York Rangers. So this time we'll start with Dave. We'll let Dave go first here. Okay. And I looked at this one hard because I was hoping it was going to be a good series. I think this could be a fun one. The Hurricanes are 11th in offense, 11th in defense. Kind of in the middle of the pack. You know, a little above middle of the pack in both. Rangers are fifth in offense, but 23rd in defense. But, you know, Hurricanes goalie is another sub-900 guy. And the Rangers, we know who's, who's going to be in that, taking one last uh, – one more rush at things and some of that. And I think for a short, seri- a short series like this, I'm going with the Rangers in five. Okay. Matt, go ahead. Uh, I, I, too, also picked the Rangers in five, uh, you know, riding with uh, Artemi Panarin and, uh, and the goaltending of Hendrik Lundqvist. So uh, I think, like Dave said, the Carolina appears to be more of the balanced team where the Rangers are a little bit more all offense. Um, but, you know, I, yeah, I just I, I see the upset with the Rangers over the Hurricanes. Keith, go ahead. Oh, I'll make it three. Um... I like uh, uh, Lundqvist and goal, and um, and you can't go wrong with Breadman. Um, so uh, yeah, Rangers, uh, Rangers in four. Um, you know, I although I get, I have to say, you know, you mentioned that previous series, uh, you expect to be kind of boring. I find uh, I don't know, maybe it's just because uh, we're Western Conference. Uh, I can't watch. I mean, Eastern Conference is kind of boring just in general. Um, it's more maybe not every series, but. It's much more skill where there's not the greasy goals, the greasy plays. There's not anything that happens that way. It's like it's going to be a highlight reel goal or they're going to dump the puck in and go change. Mm-hmm. Unless it's Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's one of the only teams that plays that, which is why they've got three cups since Crosby came into the league because they play that kind of Western-style game where it's a little more grind-you-down type of play. But yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, so Rangers in four. I also have the Rangers in four. Um, Whether it's Panarin or Mika Zibanejad scoring, I just – they can put the puck in the net. 
they're four and zero against Carolina. Carolina voted not to have this system of the playoff format in because of this, because the Rangers were four and zero against them, and the goal differential in those four games was seventeen to nine in favor of the Rangers. So, I mean, again, though, it's tough to beat a team seven times in a season. So maybe that plays into it. But I just – Carolina has good defense, but I think the Rangers just have too much firepower when it comes to what they bring on the offensive end in their top six with Kreider and Panarin and Zibanejad, that speed that they have. I think it'll just – I think it'll roll right over Carolina again. So we'll move on to the series that – I don't know if this one's going to be even worth talking about too much. Um, It's the Pittsburgh Penguins at five versus the Montreal Canadiens at 12. The Canadiens got in because Buffalo lost on the last day before quarantine, um, which caused them to drop percentage points below the Canadiens. And that's how the Canadiens ended up in the 12th spot. So we'll move. We'll let Keith go first here with between Montreal and Pittsburgh. Yeah, this one, uh, to me, there's no mystery here. Uh, Penguins in three, uh, just because they're Penguins. And, um, you know, Crosby. And uh, and uh, remember the Penguins, when they started the season, the regular season, they went through uh, uh, an incredible amount of injuries um, and key players. And uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, most of those guys should be uh, should be back. So they're, they're going to be – I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think this one, uh, Pittsburgh in three. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, I'm also I, – I tried – I looked as hard as I could to find some reason to like something about the Canadians. You know, being the only sub-500 team in there, and I, I, looked, I gave up looking after a while. I, I had the Penguins in three. This, this isn't going to be much of a series. Matt? Uh, I had the Penguins in four. Uh, only because some of the, the talk of Casey Price could possibly steal a game. But, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty clear Penguins Penguins in this one. Yeah, I got the Penguins also. So, going off Keith's note, they had 341 man games missed throughout the whole season, the Penguins did. They're getting back – the guy was supposed to be out all year, but they're getting back the left winger that's played with Crosby for the past – four years and was a huge part in their two back-to-back cups and Jake Getzel. He's coming back from a broken leg. And I just, I don't know, Price might be able to steal one, but he can't score for him. So, yeah. I, you know, it, I just think, I think Pittsburgh and three, I think Price will be lucky to be able to keep, get them to overtime at some point. Unless he's absolutely standing on his head and shuts Pittsburgh out one game. I don't even think – I don't think this is close at all. I think no overtime, no nothing, and Pittsburgh just walks through and then it leaves Montreal with the first overall pick and the French, French-Canadian French superstar handed to him. That's what I think happens. We'll move on to the better of the two conferences, the Western Conference. And I think this is probably going to be the best and most fun series 
out of five games to watch in the entire first first round or qualifying round. The Calgary Flames versus the Winnipeg Jets. I think this series is just – I can't wait. I, this is a series that I will stay up until 1 o'clock in the morning watching these games because it's just going to be fun. So we'll go – we'll let Matt start first here with the Jets and Flames. Uh, so I've got the, uh, the Jets in five. Um, Again, uh, goaltending is the difference here. So uh, that's I got uh, I've got the Jets going with that. Yeah, Hollerbuck. Hollerbuck probably the Vesna Trophy winner. The only reason the Jets are actually sitting where they're at. If they didn't have him, they're probably not even inside the top. They're probably worse than the Hawks. No offense to the Hawks, but the Jets as a team without Hollerbuck were defensively are not good. So we'll move on to Dave. Yeah, I've got the Jets in five too, but I really wanted to take the Flames, and I I think Hollabuck is. I wrote that's all I wrote down. I, it's the difference uh, that's there. The, the Jets have been underachievers all year on the ice, offense and defense. Uh, but again, I, I think the, the goal is going to make the difference here. So I give them the edge in five. Uh, they won't get through the next series. Okay, go ahead, Keith. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm like you. Uh, th- of all the series, uh, this is going to be uh, fun to watch. Um, and there are so many different uh, guys on each team um, that can be different makers. You know, you can go back and forth, uh, Goudreau and uh, Line A and back and forth and back and forth. But when you get down to it, uh, the goaltending is going to make the difference. And uh, with Hellebuck and Net for the uh, Jets, um, yeah, I think it'll go five. Um, but I, I think he's the uh, ultimate difference maker. All right. Well, I guess I'm uh, going to be the only one out on a limb here. I got this going five, and I got this going about four overtime games out of these five. <laughs> and I just think I think Calgary pulls it through. I mean, Hollerbuck was unreal this year. He had 31 wins. He had 34 wins last year. But as a Blues fan, we know what happened to him in the playoffs where all of a sudden he was didn't look like himself. So I'm wondering if that same sort – I mean, I know there's a lot more of a rest time here. But I, he's, seen, he's been a goalie who, come playoff time, his numbers have drastically changed. So I wonder if that pressure gets to him. Um, but, yeah, with Kachuk and Goudreau and – Monahan and Giordano and Hannafin and Lindbaum. I just I love the way the Flames play. They don't play defense, and David Rickert is just okay. But I just I think this is going to be a shootout with Line a and Shifley and Wheeler and all and all the guys with you know with the Jets, whether it's o- or Connor or Ehlers, like. I think every game, if I were a betting guy, which I kind of am sometimes, I'm taking the over in every single one of these games, even if the over is six and a half goals. I think it's going to be five, four, six, five type of games the entire time in this series. And it's going to be an absolute blast to watch. But I think the Flames somehow 
squeak it out in game five and like double overtime just because that's the way I think the series is going to be. It's going to be back and forth and a lot of OT. So we'll move on to this is probably going to be the most boring series in the West. Not quite as bad as a couple in the East, but the number seven Vancouver Canucks versus the number 10 Minnesota Wild. This one's, if you like old 1970s type of slowdown hockey without the brawling, I think this is going to be the series for you. <laughs> but, you know, we'll let Dave go first with, with this one. I like Vancouver's young defensemen. Uh, good skaters, good legs. Uh, I think really solid hockey players. Uh, and the fact that they were ranked fourth in power play in the league during the year, I think makes the difference in, in this series. In fact, I've got the Canucks in four because I just don't particularly like the Wild. I hate their style of play. And I, I don't particularly care for the team much at all. So uh, I've got the Canucks in four. Okay, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, I've got the I've got the Canucks in four as well, uh, with a couple of the young guys uh, on their team that are a little more exciting to watch than the uh, the Minnesota Wild. Uh, so, um, yep, I got the the Canucks in four as well. Keith, go ahead. Okay, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna mix it up. Uh, not for a reason I like though, uh, because you guys pointed out. I mean the Watching the Wild is like watching paint dry. And I every time the Blues – I see the Blues going to play the Wild, it's like a, a watch because it's the Blues. But, um, yeah, but that's the exact reason why I would pick Minnesota in this case. I think Vancouver uh, has a lot of talent, definitely has more talent. Um, but um, they're still young. And uh, Minnesota, even though it's not exciting, they, they do have a pretty veteran team. And uh, with a lot of playoff uh, experience, not necessarily going deep, but um, I, I think in this series, I think that'll make a difference. Uh, so I'm going to say uh, the Wild in five. Yeah, I mean, the Wild have – they're the oldest roster in the NHL with Zach Parise, Eric Stahl, Ryan Suter, Dubnik's in goal. He's one of the older starters. Um, I just – the youth and the speed of the Canucks with Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser and JT Miller, Quinn Hughes, Tyler Myers, and then the way Markstrom and Thatcher Demko have been, both been playing in goal for Vancouver. Vancouver is a scary team. They scare me. And I have them in four. I have them in four because I think Minnesota boringly squeaks out one win. And that's about it. And I just – Vancouver is a team that I, I worry about deep in the playoffs. They're, they're, they haven't been in a while, but they have some young talent that is – it's fun to watch. And their goaltending, I think, is not been there enough, but they play like they're dumb enough to not know that the stage is getting bigger. And they're just going to keep playing. And it worries me. A little bit, but I have Vancouver in four. So we'll move on to the Nashville Predators versus the Arizona Coyotes, which, by the way, did anybody see that the Arizona Coyotes GM stepped down today 
out of nowhere saying uh, ownership, his phrasing was that ownership was um, closing off some creative abilities of his. Don't really know what that means when you're the GM, what type of creativeness you want to have. But it's kind of weird to resign about three hours before your team has to report to Edmonton for the qualifying rounds. So, weird. You know, it is a little weird. Yeah, that's strange. But we'll, we'll give this uh, – we'll let Keith go here first for Nashville and Arizona. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm going back and forth on this one. Um, you know, I think Arizona's headed in the right direction, but um, Nashville still has some of the um, uh, pieces that, uh, you know, have uh, allowed them to play pretty well the last few years, and uh, most of all, uh, Pecorine and, and Net. So I figure uh, in, in this series, you know, he may be the uh, – different so i'm gonna go with uh, the predators in four okay uh keith or not keith dave go ahead sorry uh yeah i've got i've got the coyotes in five um on this one and uh yeah this is the caveat on this one is yeah how does pecorini play if he plays like he's played most of the year um they're gonna get beat uh the defense for the Coyotes is, 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 to me, really, really tough and really strong. I mean, they're the third-ranked defense in hockey, and that's, that's the highest of any anybody that's in these games. It's the highest for the offense or defense being ranked, and I, I just think that makes the difference at this point, and I'm going to go with them in five. Matt, go ahead. Yeah, I've got the Coyotes in five also. I think this will be – defense is going to be the, the key here. Um, and then just knowing that the Predators haven't really lived up to, you know, the, the expectations for basically the entire season. So, um, but I think, I think Keith is right, though, with it, or, or Keith, or no, I mean, Keith mentioned Pecorini. So it's going to fall on him, you know, what, what is he going to look like? But, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm going to go with Arizona on this one. Arizona in five. I'm going to take Arizona also in four. I just – I love what Rick Tockett has done with some of these young guys down there with Clayton Keller and uh, Connor Fisher and Connor Garland. Like, those – they're a next crop or Christian Dvorak. And then you got guys like Taylor Hall and you got Phil Kessel and Derek Stepan who've all – Hall hasn't been there, but Kessel has won one. Stepan's been to the finals and been in the conference finals a couple times. Antti Ranta and uh, Darcy Kemper have both been playing unreal. I don't know how – honestly, I don't know how Kemper wasn't up for the Vesna just because he was good as a fill-in goalie. He just didn't – I guess theoretically he didn't have enough numbers for people to put him into that category. Um, but, I mean, if Nashville's going to win this series – it's going to come down to either Pekka Rene or UC Soros, one of them stealing it. And Yossi and Ryan Ellis have to be all world. They have to, like, absolutely dominate the game like they did a couple years ago when they went to the cup finals. I just don't see it happening when Ellis and Yossi have to go up against Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel and Derek Stepan game in and game out, and they don't have 
guys like Subban and Ekholm and other these other guys that are quality defensemen that, to play those type of minutes so they can be the offensive threats that they were. Um, and I just don't know if I see – I think Pecorene's hit his wall, and I think he's done. His numbers just keep getting worse and worse. Is 3.17 goals against all year and at .895 save percentage. And I just – he's 35 years old, and I don't know. I think, I think Arizona is another team that, like Keith said, they're doing it the right way. They're, they're on their way up. I don't know how far they get past after this, but I think Nashville's on the steep decline real quick. So I got I got Arizona in four. Here at Sports United, we're powered by Mep's Place, the gathering place. So we'll move on to the final series, the one that we'll probably spend the longest time on. It's the hometown Edmonton Oilers and the Chicago Blackhawks. So – We'll let Keith go first so he can get out of the way for the two Chicagoans to go. <laughs> so go ahead, uh, Keith. Yeah, you know, I'm uh, – just get the the headline out. I'm going to go with the Oilers in uh, four. I think the Blackhawks will sneak out a game in there somewhere. But, um, I mean, geez, Connor McDavid and uh, uh, Dreisaitl um, – out there um, now, obviously the Hawks have Kane and Taves, and um, but the the goaltending situation for the Blackhawks really, um, I, I think, is uh, such an unknown. Now, unless one of you guys tells me, uh, is uh, Crawford going to play? I mean, he, he's returned, but is he going to play? Um, you I know, think they'll I mean, find that out on what Wednesday when they play the Blues. What he looks yeah, like. That, that I think that'll be a, I think he starts there, game. Yeah, but I'm saying if a couple pucks go by him and he looks like he isn't up to speed at all, then it probably will be. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. So. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that'll be a big tell. Uh, you know, does he play, and then how well does he play? And um, yeah, I mean, and unless he really, really uh, stinks it up, you know, he's probably going to be the guy because he gives them their best chance. Um, you know, that said, I mean, he will, will not have played for many, many months here, and then all of a sudden, bam, you're back on the ice. Uh, um, so I, I think that that's a big unknown, big question mark for the uh, uh, Blackhawks, um, and the Oilers just have too much uh, firepower uh, for this. Uh, so I, I pick uh, Edmonton in four. Okay. Matt, go ahead. Well, I think Dave mentioned it earlier with, you know, Seabrook not playing. I think that gives us a little bit of a leg up. So um, that's a plus. And when we're getting Crawford back, uh, hopefully he plays. I'm sure he will play. I, I, <laughs> maybe I'm being a homer, but I, I can I can see – we'll, we'll know within like the – what, the first period or two what we actually look like. But you could, you could just see one last hurrah of kind of salvaging an, an otherwise lost season. And, um, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think Connor McDavid and, and uh, Dreisaitl, I think that's it's going to be – they've got the firepower, but I think the Hawks have the experience, and uh, we'll see. I think it'll go five, and I'm just going to pick the Hawks because I'm from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. You know, especially with Edmonton. I know you don't have – 
fans, but being at home and home ice, that that's something else too. You know, that just helps. So it's not looking good for the Hawks, but but let's let's go. Let's go. Come on, Tommy Hawk. All right, Dave, go ahead. Uh, I mean, I'd like to pick the Hawks, but I'll, I'll wait until the end of this first that before I get there. Um, if you go back two years, and you've had uh, you know McDavid and Drysdale have been both have been on Edmonton both of those years. Hawks have won four out of six. The only team to score more than three goals was the Hawks who scored six. These have been three to one, two to one, four to nothing. These games are they have not been what you would think they're going to be. And the Oilers get seventy percent of their offense out of three guys. It's that's an awful lot. You know, to ask in the playoffs, which is why they haven't moved as far as maybe they should, you know, at, at this point and stuff. That being said, are they a deeper team than the Hawks? Yeah, they are. There's no, you, you, can't, you can't say they're not at this point. Um, experience, you know, lies in the Hawks' side. Uh, you've got 230 goal scorers on the Hawks. I mean, you can't overlook that in, in Kane and Kubelik and some of that. And, and you still, you know, that's sad and taste. I think. The Hawks' fate in this match lies in three guys. One is Dylan Strom, 100% healthy from his concussion. Strom makes all the difference in the world on this team, especially to, to DeBrinkett, who's yeah, a 40-plus 40, 40 goal scorer with Strom centering for him, and he's a 20-goal you know, scorer without Strom. That's, uh, that's a huge back. Connor Murphy, uh, is he 100% from the back? Because the Hawks' defense is enough where you, you need a guy that can be a little bit physical and the rest of the Hawks' defense just isn't. And, so, and then, literally, it's, you know, God forbid I can even, these words would ever come out of my mouth, but it's all about Corey. And, and I think you're right. I think in the playoffs, uh, in, that, in that exhibition game, they're going to put Corey out there to see exactly what they got. Uh, he has a... You know, Delia's not a bad goalie. He's okay. Uh, he's the best of the three that are here. Subban is awful. Uh, and they've, they've already figured that out. So that's – at least I'm not worried about that part and stuff like that. Um, but Corey gives you the chance. He's, he's stolen a number of games over the last few years. So here, if you could shut down one of the big guys on Edmonton, you got a shot at the series. There's no question. Uh, will they win it? Probably not. I'll probably go to Edmonton. Uh, I'm going to call it Edmonton at five, um, only because I do think the Hawks will play well. Over the last two years, they've played Edmonton well enough uh, where it's, you know, they're not going to roll over and get steamrolled like, you know, the Canadians are going to get uh, handed to them. Uh, You've got some guys looking at their last shots. You've got, I mean, I've heard a number of different things here. So, I mean, well, Kane and Taze be together after this year. I mean, there's a number of, you know, backlights going on. Um, we'll stay a moment and be here. Uh, differently. So, you got a lot of guys playing for a lot. You got arrested Duncan Keith, which helps uh, at that point. He's not, he's not uh, the, the trophy winner anymore, but he's still pretty damn good. So, so uh, I, I think we take two games. I think, I think we lose. I think we lose in three. Um, and I, I'd be honest with you, I don't see any of them going overtime. I see these being decided in regulation. So my biggest question is Crawford, and not if Crawford's playing, 
but what Crawford is playing. Like, is it Corey that played against the Blues a couple of times this year where he just looked out to lunch and looked like he had no business being on the ice? Or is it Crawford that's played a couple of times against Dallas or Colorado where he stole the show and gave up one and had almost 40 stops? Um, that being said, it also – I think the biggest telltale sign for this – series is going to be power play this season the Oilers were three for seven on the power play against the Hawks and the Hawks were 0 for 8 so the Hawks bread and butter the past couple years or really when they made their runs was their power play they made it hurt when they got those chances and the power play as a whole this year and last year just has not been there for them which is one reason why they've been down um, but I just, I mean, I know you got, I know you got Kane and I know you got to bring it and you got, you know, whether it's Kubelik or Kajula, I just, there's not enough, I don't want to say depth scoring, but there's not enough proven depth scoring when it comes to. You doing it for more former forty goal scores. I mean, well, no, yeah, but I mean, doing it more than one year in the in the recent three or four years. Well, Tay's last two years have been his best too. Point yeah. wise, now Sod Sod's the guy that I, I just I can't figure. I mean, for the life of me, I mean, he could he could play a game and look like an absolute all star. Yeah, and then not play like that for another week. I mean, yeah, I, I don't. I don't get him. And, and I don't see, like, before they got rid of Bufflin, you saw that Bufflin was just lazy as shit. I mean, he, he was just loafing around. He was stealing money. You know, stuff like that. And that came up later in his career again, too. Sad doesn't look like he's loafing. He just – he can't find the puck. Well, he can't, he can't – he looks like he can't get to the spots anymore. Yeah. You know, like, he's got that – and that's what I think – I know Taves has been good, but I think – Taves is getting to that point in his career too, but I was more talking about like you had DeBrinket who had the one good year, and then he's just been, you know, he's been hasn't been horrible, but he has he's not been well, that good story. You, 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 you took his center away, and that you know the guys have been playing together since juniors. I mean, that's it made all the difference in the world. You you look at the goals that DeBrinket had in the when he scored forty two that were there, they came because of strong. I mean, they were. They were you can't miss it. They were like when Panarin was here, you know the the, the passes he got. All you had to do was pull the trigger. Goal was open. He had to hit it, but the goal was open. Yeah, but that's uh, what I mean. Like, there's nobody to get to bring it to puck. No, he's faster than most of the other guys on the team. That's a problem. Yeah, I just I don't I don't see enough depth to match up with McDavid, Drysaddle, Ryan Nugent, Hopkins, James Neal. Andrew Athanasia, who is the – I mean, behind – Neil's never played well in your socks. Who? Neil. There's never, never been a bird on our side, ever. But he's just I – I mean, he had 20 goals in 25 games with – or 19 goals in 25 games when he was playing with McDavid, and then he got hurt. 
Yeah, this so, will be this will be third and fourth lines. This will be special teams. Yeah, with and then that's what I was gonna say. So like, yeah, Zach Cassian and uh, Alex Chazon, who I don't know, they those guys in their career before they got to Edmonton and missed the playoffs seem to come up more like Bickle and Bolin, where they somehow just go to the net and a puck hits them and goes in in a big situation. And you're like, what the heck just happened? How did that happen? Yeah, the Hawks have been lucky enough the last two years, though, to really, like I say, play some of their best hockey probably against Edmonton. You know, maybe they got their attention, maybe whatever it was. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. The, the power well, play think, won't be a hurt. I think the, their styles just match up well against each other. They both don't know how to – they don't really – I wouldn't say don't know how to. They don't play defense enough. They're both run-and-gun type, type of teams right now. Chicago, Chicago because they don't have enough guys to play defense, and Edmonton just because they've never learned how to. Plain and simple. Yeah, yeah we don't. Yeah, you no longer have Hosa here. You know, playing yeah. defense, and yeah, you know, Sad will give you some defense a lot of times, but when you get defense from Sad, you get it instead of offense, which is well. I just mean even, even the fact, like I think, I think the biggest piece that you guys lost from your Cup teams that nobody talks about is Nicholas Jarmelson. And what he did on the defensive end, blocking shots with him and Johnny Odulia. And you guys, you don't have that anymore. You don't have guys that allow Duncan Keith to play 30 minutes in an offensive defenseman role. Yeah, I was never now do both. I was never a huge Odulia fan. Way too many turnovers for me. But no, yeah, him and Jarmelson together, though, were just like it was a tandem that was really good. It worked for whatever reason. Yeah, when the Hawks chose to sign Chalmerson instead of um, Miami, because they only could sign one of the two, they picked the right guy. There's no, oh, yeah. They, there's no question about that. Uh, they picked the right guy. Well, and then that was the divide. That was what the last, uh, I guess, if you want to say, stake that drove Bowman and Quinville apart was when Bowman said, oh, yeah, Joel, I'll just uh, get rid of your your safety blanket back there in Jarmelson. I'll just trade him to – uh, Arizona for pretty much nothing. Well, you know, I mean, unfortunately, we gave up young guys way too early on, on some of them. You know, let Nick Letty probably being one of the biggest ones that yeah that stands mm-hmm. out. But that was Q also. Well, yeah, yeah that was. Q's not a huge fan of young guys, and uh, yeah, he he never gave Letty the right thing. When he left, I went and we kept Oduya instead, and I think it was the next game. Oh, do you turn the puck over as a blue line for the game winner? And I said, there you go. This is what we chose. Great. Well, I think some of that, though, is Letty, Letty would have played into a role where Duncan Keith is. That's, I mean, when he get, got old enough, you know, a year or two well, down the road. He was also your, your captain of the power play. Because of his skating ability and his shot, yeah. he was playing the point. And the power play, the last time the power play was really good, is when he was at the point, and that's been a long time. The power play's been a problem for the Hawks. For all the talent the Hawks have, you would you would think they would just, just kill people on the power play. They do and the it's, Blues. It's the only way you guys yeah. score against us is the power play. You get nine of them in a game. <laughs> nine of them in a game. <laughs> I don't remember that game. I wish <laughs> I did. I wish I had tape. <laughs> but so I have Edmonton in four. 
I have them in four, not because I think it's going to be like a three-one series, but I just think the games will be closer. I just think somehow Edmonton being on home ice and some more of the depth grind guys they have that can play up and down the line. Like even James Neal could play on a third line role for them because he's done it sometimes. I think that is the difference that leads to like a one goal win here or there that ends the series in four. Like I, like I said, when I said Florida was going to be a tight four games, it's almost going to be like a six game series. I think this is the same, same type of way. I think Edmonton just gets a couple extra bounces that ends up going their way. They're going to be a little quicker. I mean, there's no question. So, so it's, yeah, like I said, as much as I'd love to pick the Hawks, I can't. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it, it would be nice and, and things like that. But yeah, I don't see yet. Sad thing is I see a number of teams in the playoffs that the Hawks could beat. But Edmonds is probably not one of them. So. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's. I mean, there's a stretch in there. If you take the one stretch out where, where the players weren't talking to Colleton and they went one and seven. Uh, they're in a totally different position in the Leicester Conference. I'm going to be honest with you. We thought there was a mutiny here. We, I honestly thought Colleton was gone because the rumors around here was he was gone. He was, they were taking him out. Um, and some, and somehow they pulled it back together, and then they played okay hockey again. But that stretch, that one and seven stretch, after they were on a roll, and they were almost back in the playoff, I think they were one point out when they hit that stretch. You take that stretch out, and you know they're not the twelve, the twelve seed at this point. You know they're more like the eight, maybe the seven. So it's I, I think they're better than than they show it if being at the twelve. But no, they're are they an elite team anymore? No, I, I wish. Well, speaking of those elite teams, the last thing I was going to touch on was how do you think this round robin's going to go? Like, it's it's just for seeding. So, our team's going to play, like, you know, obviously you want to set yourself up for the best possible seed you have. But at the same time, like, do you want to risk for the Blues, like, Petrangelo blocking a shot and breaking his foot and being out for the actual rounds not of the that, playoffs? Not that round robin. I mean, but exactly. again, you, know, you know how it is to play hockey your instincts take over. Oh, I get that. But but I'm saying like, do you, do you, if I'm the coach of either, you know, Boston, Philly, Washington, Tampa, St. Louis, uh, Colorado, Dallas, or uh, Vegas, I'm going to, I'm going to play it like a normal game. But at the same time, like I'm not going to push Petrangelo to have 30 minutes. I'm not going to push, you know, I'm not going to push Marc-Andre Fleury to play all three games. I'm not going to push Bishop to play all three games. McDay, or McKinnon, he's not going to play 22, 21 minutes as a forward. Like, it's just going to be get everybody their legs in, get them going. Like, not, but you guys know, those... I mean, the, the NHL playoffs are kind of a crapshoot anyway. I mean, you know, you it, it's not like – I mean, like the NBA, uh, I mean, if you're the top seed um, – yeah, more likely, you know, you're going to uh, play a team that uh, is just not going to be, relatively speaking, as competitive. Uh, you know, another another factor here, too, is, you know, all this is going on simultaneously. 
So, yeah. you know, our, you know, maybe if you, if we really look at the schedule really, really closely, you could, you can figure it out like, oh, okay, uh, uh, the Blackhawks are going to win this series. So then, I don't know, if you're the Blues, do you want to play the Blackhawks? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, it, there's just, there just so many variables here. Um, and in the NHL, whether you're the first seed or the fourth seed, I, I just don't know if it makes that big of a difference. I think you could win. You could win from any one of those four positions. So I don't. I'm with you. I don't. I don't see breaking your neck to be one versus four. There's not enough payoff in it, unless there's a team that you're trying to avoid because you just don't match up well with them. I mean, it's you know, and and that happens. I mean, there there are teams out there that aren't as good as you, but they just beat you day in and day out because their style fits them. You know, whatever the case may be, and it. And you don't play well against them. And if you, so, if you're trying to avoid somebody, I, I can, I can see that. But I don't know if they'll know enough. No. Watching the series to, to, to do that. Round robin will be unless teams are sweeping teams. Round robin will be over by everybody's game three. So then you go on another two or three day break too, along with that. Yeah. So, so I don't think you're going to be able to do that. I, I think you play it somewhere between. A regular game and an exhibition, an ex, you know, ex, exhibition game. At, at the same time, the to go, I think so too. But if you go on the other point, it's like, do you really want to have, you know, everybody kind of not clicking on all cylinders like it's a regular game? You know what I mean? Like then you got your first game is going to be your first meaningful game in a playoff series, and we all know one win or one loss right off the bat can give some team that's just won a series a lot of confidence. I, I think there's enough separation between the top couple teams and most of the teams on the bottom. You're, just, you're not going to pull – well, you, you figure that way. Are you going to get Pittsburgh right off the bat? You know, that, that type of stuff. I mean, how's it set up when you, you – They'll reseed it. So, the say, okay. number one plays – so, as a – like, if the Blues were to get one and everybody wins like they're supposed to, we get Calgary. That's probably the team – Calgary, Winnipeg is the two that I would want to avoid. But you don't know what's going to happen. because Yeah, yeah. So, but you don't want to – you don't know what's going to happen. Like, Arizona could upset somebody and then you try to play for two and then you have Calgary or Winnipeg anyways because Arizona won and they're the 11 and now they're playing one. Yeah, you yep. just don't know what's going to happen. You, you just got to play, and and if you're in the if you're in the round robin, uh, I think you're looking at, at those games as uh, we're getting our legs back under us. Uh, we're just getting back up to speed here. Uh, whereas you know, in, in the qualifying uh, round, you know, I mean, you're, you're playing. Well, it's the NHL playoffs. I mean, every game. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's sudden, be, it's sudden death almost every yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sudden death, and so it's a little bit. It's very different. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, certainly not going to uh, treat the round robin games lightly, uh, but at the same time, it they're not going to have. I don't think they'll have the same intensity, and uh, and and the purpose is going to be very different. Yeah, it's just, I just wonder how how coaches attack it. Like, obviously, they're going to attack it one way in the media, where they're saying, "No, you know, these are meaningful hockey games. We're going to do everything we can to win these." Yada yada yada. The, old cliche lines but like i don't know is is well, it worth it if you lose who's gonna play don't get hurt 
Yeah. Well, we open up with Colorado, and then we play Dallas, and then we play Vegas. I believe that's the way it was. Because here, I mean, because here's the thing. Here's where I think the problem comes in. I, I think if everybody's in agreement, it's one thing. If you go and let's say you're the Blues, and you're going to play ninety percent, but you're going to roll four lines, you're going to roll two goalies, you're going to make sure everybody is ready. But you play somebody who's playing more for keeps. Right. If you will, they're taking that extra shot on the, on the backboard. They're taking that extra hit. Um, I think that changes the game at that point because I—that's I, a way of getting hurt. I mean, is you yeah, know, I, don't, I don't see any of these. Ten one team playing at ninety. It's probably yeah. not good. I, I don't see any of these teams, um, you know, intentionally going out there saying, oh, well, yeah, we'll play 80, 90 percent." I—I mean, once they're out there, they're going to be playing. Um, yeah. but you know, and it'll be subtle at, at, at best, but I think it's like you guys were saying, you know, you can't, you can't try to map out what's going to happen here, uh, because so much is out of your control and, uh, you know, the blues. Yeah. I, I agree with Rick, uh, of all the teams out there. I don't think the blues don't want to play Calgary or Winnipeg in that, uh, uh, in that first round. Um, you know, but you start trying to, plan for that and then you end up with it anyway because uh, somebody else gets upset and then you're not the number one you know there's just too much uh, going on there actually i take that back i was looking at round robin i thought they said it was everything was going to end by game three no blues and stars play sunday august 9th which is game five for a couple different series mm-hmm. so they have the to the Blues could know going into that last game against the Stars, hey, we're going to start Billy Huso because this matchup is going to be better for us, which is kind of shaky to yeah. do also because then it's like you're picking a team and then that gives them bulletin board material. Well, yeah, you get, you get that and you've got, you know, maybe you want to avoid the Flames and the Jets, but maybe the Flames and the Jets don't play all that well that series. You know, yeah. You, know, you don't know. And, or you get a team, a young team like Vancouver who comes out and sweeps somebody. Well, that yeah, that gives confidence. Or an old team like the Hawks who come out and, and win, you know, win in four or something. You don't want any one of those teams at that point either. So I mean, it's I, I think you, you kind of got to play it as a good unless there's somebody that just absolutely, you know, shuts you down. I think you got to I think you got to avoid that. Yeah, you start playing, uh, you know, playing around with it. It comes back. It's going to bite you in the butt. You know. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, I mean, I feel like even though it doesn't mean anything, I think you just, you just go out there to win. You try to get on a roll. You try to get on a roll. Yeah. I mean, they're professional athletes. You know, they, they could say they're going to do one thing, but once you get out there and you, you get, you get a little, you get checked or, you know, something going your way, you're, you're going to fight. You're, you're going to give it everything you got. Hopefully. I just, what I, what I don't want it to look like, is a preseason game where guys are just going through the motions, trying to get, you know, system stuff down. And they're just like, you know, just there to be there to. Yeah. You don't want to be that ready for a team that comes up. Like you said, there's a perfect example. You take a young Vancouver team who could easily sleep, sweep the wild in three. Yeah. And they come out of there and they win the first two games against you because you're not up to speed yet. You're in deep shit at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because exactly. you, uh, yeah, you can't be sleepwalking through this round robin uh, 
I mean, because then you're approaching it similar to uh, if you're just coasting into the playoffs in a, in a normal season, you know, you got your spot locked up and then all of a sudden the playoffs start and the other team is hungry and then you've been coasting and all of a sudden you need to flip the switch again and you can't do it. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting. I just can't wait for August 1st because it's going to be hockey, hockey, hockey with an occasional baseball game on. So it'll be – oh, it's going to be – Sports to sports overload, you know? Oh, yeah, really. <laughs> realistically, for a three-week span, and it's going to go past that because then when normal playoffs start, it will still be halfway decent. But for a three – Three weeks span, or I guess a two week span, ten days. It'll feel like you're watching March Madness basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just going to be two games on at a time. You're going to be flipping back and forth. It's going to be all day. Like me working in a hockey rink, I don't know how much work I'm actually going to be doing. I might take my laptop out and sit in our main lobby in front of the TVs and just do emails from there while I'm watching the games. You know, it's. It will be – it's something else. Like, it's never happened before, so it's going to be fun. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, all right, guys. We'll, uh, we'll end this one. It was good. Bill. So, what do we got between now and next week? I mean, we got, obviously, we got another week of baseball. Yeah. Um. Now, are you going down – you're not going down to – Yeah, going to- we are. We're going – I'll be – so, we'll be going Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I'll be coming back Sunday just the same. But we're not going to be meeting up with them. It's just me and my dad and a couple buddies going to play golf and okay, hang out, do nothing really but sit by the lake and – So, you're driving them there is what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, gonna, we're just going to go – we're staying at Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville right there in the middle of everything. Uh, they have a golf course on property, so we'll play golf, and then we'll go sit and watch baseball and hockey on the TVs and just do nothing for a couple of days. It's that's, that's living life, man. Yeah. So we'll probably – I'm trying to think when – I'll get back to you guys on when we can do it. Yeah, you gotta let us know whether you're gonna be on shape on Sunday night or not. That well, is- no. So Sunday night starts my night, like the night stuff where adult league is starting. Ah, so okay. I'll be in good shape, but we might have to move everything to like, I don't know if it'll work for everybody else, but back to either Wednesday or Thursday because adult league at where I'm at is Sunday is our biggest. It goes from like two, or we just start doing Sunday mornings maybe, but Sunday night goes from like two to about 11 o'clock at night of just adult league games on two rinks. Right. And then Monday and Tuesday, we have like three games on three different rinks at like nine o'clock at night. So I'll be working later those three days for sure. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday are out at that point. Unless we did, you know, unless we got on and did it at like nine on Sunday morning after a big weekend of sports or something, we can, we can work it out and, maneuver stuff like that well let us know what works next week obviously we won't be doing this on sunday night yeah uh but and we won't be monday and tuesday either so it'll be at wednesday or whatever and yeah we'll figure it out because i mean hopefully 
I'm trying to think. I mean, this is going to be published this week, so this will get us through next weekend where hockey is. So, yeah, we'll have a week of baseball, and we'll have at least a weekend, three, four days of NHL qualifying slash round robin to talk about. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we'll have, a, we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about. And then that will lead into we'll have still playoffs, playoff hockey, playoff or regular season basketball should be finishing up about then, um, baseball, and then the PGA championship is that in that second weekend in August also. So cool. it's, it's getting ready to heat up sports-wise. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank God. Yeah. That's like this, you know, it's just kind of, you know, talk about what's happened, what's the news, and yeah, throwing throwing a, a list here and there, but it's. Uh, and like you said, every every week that goes by in baseball, as Keith reminded me during during one day when I said the Cubs were in first for uh, the first day of baseball, he goes, "Oh, that's two point seven days." First yeah, day. well, that's what it, I mean. Realistically, when the I mean the Cardinals were two and zero, oh, and somebody jokingly said, well, "The Cardinals are two two and zero," oh, and somebody commented, "It's like." Well, really, that's like being seven and zero already. And it's yeah. like five point four, yeah, five point four and zero. So, like you said, there's going to be some teams two weeks in that are going to be licking their wounds real badly at that point, and yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it's not going to be easy to come back. No, like the Mets are right. The Mets are getting absolutely smoked tonight. Yeah. Oh my oh, god! Yeah, Every time I look up, uh, the Braves at a home run. I really like my. Uh, my Braves pick now, <laughs> but I did say the Mets were going to finish second in the division, so that doesn't look so good. Yeah, the Mets. The thing with the Mets is it's all about the pitching. I mean, it's yeah, they don't have many bats. I'd like I'd like their starting three. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> well, I don't know who started tonight, but <laughs> it didn't go well. <laughs> it was Wheeler yeah. tonight, wasn't it, I think? Um, let's take a look. Let's see here. I've got a friend who's a Mets fan. It's my friend Charlie's brother, uh, Stevie. And every year I listen to how the Mets are going to kick the crap out of the Cubs. And it's been about two decades now, I think. But, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, even when the Cubs were bad, the Mets, the Mets were just as bad. Except for the one year they somehow went to the World Series. You, you wonder sometimes, but their fans think they're there every year. Um, so starting for, uh, where is it? Porcello started today. Wow. He went two innings, seven hits, seven runs, six earned, three walks. So his ERA is up to uh, 27. That's going to be, that's going to be tough to get down. Well, Every it's Mets pitcher scoring average is pretty good, but <laughs> every Mets pitcher that pitched in today's game, Oswald, four innings, seven hits, five runs, five earned, three strikeouts, three walks, ERA eleven point two five. Seaward, two innings, two hits, two runs, ERA nine. Strickland, point two, one inning, one hit, one run, or no nothing today, but his ERA is uh, eighteen right now. And it just went down because he just got this guy out. <laughs> that's that's rough when you only are going to see the mound about thirty more times, maybe. Yeah. Unless you're just lights out, it's 
Well, you said some some pitchers have already done themselves either a nice start towards the Cy Young or almost taking himself out with one game. Yeah. Well, yeah, Por- Porcello's definitely done with one game. 27, yeah. two innings. Yeah, it's going Unless he goes the rest of the season eight or nine, like one to scoreless innings, he's going to struggle. Yeah, I mean, the starters only get 12 starts this year, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's – no, there's no throwaway games. Mm-hmm. No. So, all right, guys, I'll let you all know. We'll talk later, uh, a little longer than a week from now. Yeah, if you have a safe trip down there, and yeah, we will. Play some good golf, man. Yeah, yeah, we're at least one course, maybe two. So we'll we'll see. Have a good week, guys. See you guys. All right, take care. Thank you for listening to the Sports Divided Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. 